Hey, it's Ozzy, and you are listening to The Strut Talk. Thank you for being here. I'm super excited to have you, and it's the official first episode, so it's a little bit special. This episode, we're going to be talking all about transitions. We are always in a state of transition, and that's really cool. It's exciting to see yourself grow. My current transition is graduating from law school and then hopping onto the other side and becoming an official adult. That is super exciting. Do not get me wrong. Like, I'm so blessed that I'm here, I'm alive, and I'm doing well for myself. I'm looking forward to being able to take care of my family, have my new apartment, get my cat, and just be a fully independent, self-sufficient adult. But on the other side, I'm very afraid that I might disconnect from who I really am and just kind of get swept up into our world and the realities and the mundaneness of being an adult. So I had a conversation with a friend who's in a similar place. She's about to be graduating as well. So I thought this would be a good place to have a conversation around transitions and what happens after it. What do we do with those fears and how do we adjust in a way that feels good for ourselves? Let's spiral, let's talk about it, let's get into it. And you know what? Maybe it won't be that scary. Eno, please tell the people who you are. Hey, y'all. My name is Eno. I am from Nigeria originally, but I grew up in New York and then went to Utah for undergrad. And now I'm in sunny Los Angeles for med school. So I'm like a free spirit. I like living in different places, meeting different people, learning about different cultures. And I'm so excited to be on Ozzy's podcast. Yes. (laughs) let's go I'm really excited that you started off by like saying all that background information but then also adding the element of who you actually are and what you like because I feel like so often we get trapped in this thing of like this is what we're doing or whenever people ask us who are you that's such an open question that it's a little intimidating so I just love that you got that in there and that's exactly why light attracts light and we are friends but exactly (laughs) this episode is all about grad school professional school Eno and I are both about to graduate, and I know from our conversations that we have had a little bit of excitement, but a lot of anticipation about what's coming up next. So my first question to you, friend, and for me as well, is how do you feel about being nearly done with med school? I am excited. Like, I'm literally counting down the days till I'm done because it's been such a long journey to get here. And so finally seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, it's such a great and exciting feeling. And I know I'm anticipating finally working. Um, I'll still be a trainee, but I will finally be a doctor. Um, I'll get to feel like I'm actually taking care of patients and actually making a difference more so than I have at any point leading up to this. So it's a it's a exciting times and I'm looking forward to see what the future holds. But what about you, Ozzy? You're also graduating from law school. Oh, yes. Thank God. <laughs> All right, okay, so you everything you said makes me feel like I should be a little bit more optimistic. <laughs> oh. But I feel very scared. I like mm. I'm more anxious about it than anything. Excited to be done with like the whole I have a paper due or have a midterm or final I have to study for, but also really scared about what's on the other side of that and just what is expected. Okay. So like how you just said, there's like, you are still going to be training as um, for, to be a doctor. 
Mm-hmm. I would essentially become a lawyer once I take the bar, pass the bar. So it's like, this is the marker of you're about to enter a whole new world. So I'm right. focused, you know, but yeah. it's very, it's exciting. It's just like a lot of anxiety around it. And that makes it a little bit worry, worrisome, <laughs> but right. Um, yeah. No, I think it's a huge step going from being a student to being an adult and having like all this responsibility suddenly thrown on top mm-hmm. of you. But I know that you've been doing a lot of work to prepare for that. You know, you have your internship, you're working on this podcast. So I think it's great that you're laying down the foundations now. So once you make that transition, it'll be a little bit smoother, mm-hmm. you know. But yes, it's definitely still a lot to deal with to go from, you know, the most you have to do is write papers and, you know, go to your internship where they know your student to being like the lawyer mm-hmm. or being the attorney or whatever you decide to do next. So yeah, that's understandable. Like, we will be in charge of, in your case, people's lives. Right. <laughs> in my case, mostly people's money or like investments. And people don't play with their money. So. They do not. <laughs> so life is sunset. <laughs> so that, yeah, but I, I appreciate hearing that because I think it's important to have a network of people who are supporting each other through this, which is yes. why I think I'm so grateful that at UCLA, I found you guys, you all, even though you are all in medical school and I'm in law school, it's still so nice to have a community of people who understand what it means to be in this phase of life. And I want to make like a quick distinction between professional school and grad graduate school. Mm-hmm. Even though professional school is like a subset of graduate school, we are different from our peers for like in the academic programs, which are more tailored towards like independent research that's going to contribute to the greater human knowledge. Whereas yes. we're more so preparing for a specific profession. So exactly. Very different, you know? Exactly. But, okay. I'm going to ask you this question and granted, I know you're not going to be able to answer it fully just yet, but let's just hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yes worth it yes or no oh that's a I think that's a deeply personal question like it's gonna defer for each individual Mm -hmm. and I think even within you know each individual like their answer might change depending on the day because Mm -hmm. I know for me on most days yes it's worth it but there are some days where I have doubts um, like days where I'm stressed out and I just want to hang out with my friends or watch Netflix or just go to the beach and sit out and get some sun days like that. I wonder if it's worth it, but then Mm -hmm. I go back into the clinic and I see patients and I work with, you know, the residents and the nurses and the doctors, and I learn something new every day. And I feel like I'm making a small difference in someone's lives. Mm. Then those days it feels worth it. Um, So I think, It just depends on the person and their goals and the things that they value the most in life. Um, I had friends in college who started out as pre-med, but realized that their families mattered most to them or, Mm. you know, starting their own family, getting married, having kids, traveling the world. So I think for those people then no, it would be a hard no, it's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think for me, most days it's worth it. Yes. Mm. And today is one of those days where it feels like it's worth it. 
It's probably oh, because like I have the degrees outside. Off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the sun is shining. I have the weekend off and I'm like, okay, this isn't too bad. Right. But, <laughs> but if you had asked me a few months ago and I was studying for one of our national exams, then I would have been like, ah, right. right. I don't know about that. <laughs> so that's a fair question. That's a fair answer. Cause I know that's a trick question. I agree. It's definitely dependent on the day. So for me, Last night, I got a whirlwind of unexpected expenses. So part of the requirements of becoming a licensed attorney is taking the moral character and fitness test. Yesterday, as I'm signing up just to register, just to submit an application, girl, at a register with the state bar, as a law uh-huh. student, that cost uh-huh. $120 something dollars. Wow. And yes. And then I didn't even know that I was going to have to pay that up front, but how to pay that up front. And then... I have to fill out this long application that is super, super tedious, asking things like uh, your past residential history. Mm. Um, There's a question about whether you are defaulted on any of your student loans, you know, past employment, which I get that they're trying to understand who you are as a person to determine if you have honesty, trustworthiness, and fitness to practice the law. Yes. Super invasive, right? And then come to find out that this costs five hundred and fifty dollars to what bro so So, that's like over 600 just for mm -hmm. this portion of you know your journey wow yeah and I ended up sitting down and doing a lot of like tracking how much it's going to cost just to like get the license and it's a and that's not even including things like the the debt you enter into law school right so I'm not going to say it's not worth it but it just was one of those things that took my breath away and mm-hmm. like, it makes you feel like, well, I need this to be worth it, you know? Exactly. Yes. So. Because it's such a sacrifice, both mm-hmm. personally, financially, you know, you, you have to give so much of yourself, which is something that always confused me because I feel like as a society, we need lawyers, we need mm-hmm. doctors, we need scientists, we need, you know, masters of public health students who are going to come and shape public policy. Like we need these people in our society, there's essential. Right. Um, but yet there's so many barriers of entry to even get there. And once you're there, there's even more that you have to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I always wondered why as a society, we don't make things easier for everyone, you know, anyone who wants to go to grad school and professional school. Cause I think honestly, like, unless you have a lot of support coming into it, right. it makes it that much harder. Absolutely. Um, those are all really great points and uh we have some some things to talk about on that front for sure but I want to take us back to our baby selves oh I was cute right I was a cute little baby and you know we're so cute we're thriving we're doing our thing but I can imagine that my baby self did not foresee this for myself because I'm not gonna Mm. lie y'all I used to tell myself I'm not gonna be a lawyer Hmm. so mm mm-hmm my dad was a lawyer and I always saw my dad with his briefcase and his long night at the long nights at the office. So I always kind of felt like, oh, that's not really for me. So I think my baby self would have been like, what? We did it. <laughs> we um, changed our mind. But what was, was being a doctor always a dream for baby Eno? So I remember as a child going to see my primary care doctor, um, who also is Nigerian. And I thought what he did was very cool. Like he would look at my ears, he would listen to my heart. 
you know, he would ask me these funny questions that my mom would answer for me. <laughs> and outside, I heard be like, hey, he asked me, not you. <laughs> so, so he was always someone that I looked up to. Um, and I remember going into school, just naturally gravitating towards biology and chemistry mm. and math and just always being interested in the sciences. Um, but when I started college, I wanted to have an open mind and I wanted to explore, you know, a variety of careers. So I did, took business classes for a while and was mm. thinking about majoring in business and ultimately going into finance. I considered oh, going the public know, health what? route. Yeah, no, so I, I explored a bunch of different careers, but I think things just kept pulling me back to medicine. Mm -hmm. um, when I would seek out volunteer work, it would mostly be in the medical field. And once again, I looked up to the doctors and I saw them as people to aspire to be. Um, so as a baby, I didn't know that I, I wanted to be a doctor, but I think there were just so many things in my life that kind of pushed me in that direction. And no matter how much I tried to fight it and resist it, it just, it just was meant for me. And I think once I accepted that, I truly started to thrive and started to just lay the, the foundation for getting me into med school. And mm. so I think... I think baby Eno would be proud of adult Eno, but she would probably be like, girl, why did you do that? <laughs> All the things you could have done. Why did you choose that? <laughs> no, but that's really, really, really interesting because it sounds like it's always kind of been like, like you said, it's always been an interest or some kind of gravitational pull was bringing you back. Right. What age was it that like, you were like, yeah, I'm committed to this. Was it, it must've been while you were in college, right? Or did you take a gap year before you came to med school or anything? So it was in college, I would say about 19, maybe 18 or 19 years wow, old. Wow, baby. Yeah. So I started college at 17. Mm -hmm. um, and so for that first year, I was exploring maybe for the first year and a half. Um, and it wasn't until my sophomore year that I was like, okay, this is 100% what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Oh. So I like, same, I like kind of, I started, well, I would have started when I was 17, but I ended up starting when I was 18 because I was a spring admit. Mm. But I always, I applied to all my schools as a comparative literature major. Because, wow. Yeah. So I went, I went to college and I knew Compilate was exactly what I wanted to do. I love comparative literature. It's the best thing that I could have chosen for myself because I love to read and write. And it's just so dope to get to also learn a whole nother culture. So mm. I chose to study French because I always wanted to study French and my two emphasis was English and French. But keeping that in mind, I always thought I was gonna be like a writer, you know? Mm. And I could definitely still write, but in my head, it was like, you're either this or that. So I went right. in there being like, you're going to be a writer and this is gonna get you into being a writer. And then I had really, really amazing classes with amazing professors. And I saw other grad students when I was just an undergrad and was kind of like in awe of how grad students, like I would see them in the coffee shops, like with their books and their laptops open writing Ooh. or leading class discussions, like the GSI, shout out to GSIs because y'all are dope and inspiring younger generations without even realizing it maybe. Ooh. But yeah, I remember it was junior year that I was like, I'm gonna do a PhD in English. And wow. Yeah, and oh, see, I didn't know this about you. You know, I'm like, wow, what would that have looked like? But yeah. I ended up like changing because I was like, I actually want to end up in the entertainment industry. That's always been where my heart has been mm. geared towards. And unfortunately, right. 
I didn't think a PhD in English would do too much for me there. And maybe it could. I know that there's people out there with PhDs in English that are killing the game, but I did not have people near me that showed me what it could look like for what I wanted to do. And when I took two years off after graduation, I modeled, I loved modeling, but I also felt like that wasn't as sustainable as I wanted it to be. And I still felt very detached from entertainment. So I landed on law school being like, this is it. Like, this feels like an entry point, you know? So I guess my parents were happy, but it has always been an interesting point because going to law school essentially aligns with what they wanted for me. As Nigerian immigrants, that is what they wanted for their kids. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You have a few options. Yeah. You can be a lawyer, doctor, a doctor. accountant, <laughs> engineer, pharmacist. Yeah. pharmacist. So pick pick your poison. We played it out for you. But, <laughs> you know, I think we're both pretty headstrong women. So it sounds mm-hmm. like for both of us, these were independent decisions that aren't influenced by our parents' desires heavily. Exactly. I think we both have this sense of motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and regardless of if we went to law school or medical school, like we would have found something to do with ourselves that would right. have been productive. How do you weigh their expectations with your own? Like, of course, there's always that element of parental, like they just want the best for us, but Right. Having like immigrant parents, is there another element for you in your household, how you grew up? Or that would be a disappointment factor added into that. Right. So a little bit of background on my parents' stories. They both emigrated to the U.S. when they were older. So they were past college age. They were past grad school age. Um, so they didn't have the same opportunities as I feel like we did mm. growing up. And I remember my mom would always say, if I came to this country when I was your age, the sky would have been the limit for me. Mm. So I think they, they would be disappointed in me, not for selfish reasons per se, more because of, you know, you have all these doors open to you and why not take advantage of it? Mm-hmm. Or like you've come this far, why not just finish up what you've started Um, And for a while, I thought that they wanted me to go down this path for bragging rights or, you know, so I could take care of them or help them. But as I've gotten older, I think, you know, for most good parents, they just want to see their children succeed Mm -hmm. and want to see them happy. And I think our parents sometimes notice things in us that we may not be able to see in ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think they would push me because they know that you know, this is something that I want and something that I can do and thrive and be happy in. Um, So I think it it would be a huge disappointment to them and they would definitely try and get me back on course. Yeah, that is, I really love that though, because what I hear in there is like giving our parents grace for the fact that it isn't just about bragging rights, but there's definitely more to, I mean, some people are maybe and more invested in bragging rights. But my mom, my sister, and I had an honest conversation about this because my sister is in undergrad right now and trying to figure out what she wants to do. Mm-hmm. And hearing my mom kind of toss out ideas, my first instinct was to be like, oh, mom, don't try to restrict her by like laying out like, oh, either be a nurse or a pharmacist or, you know. And then my mm-hmm. mom had this really eloquent way of just kind of saying like, I'm not trying to restrict. I'm trying to help as your parent. I'm here to guide you. I'm here to mm. help you. Along. I'm here to present ideas to you and help you think about, you know, what that could look like. And right. that really made like brought a shift to my head because usually I've kind of just looked at it as like, oh, Nigerian parents can like, I love you, but you're like suffocating a little bit. Right. You know, but yeah. 
Yeah, I just love that idea of giving them grace for the fact that, yeah, as we're kind of getting into a stage where maybe we're going to start thinking about kids soon, if we want kids, what does that look like? I'm going to want the best for my kids, so I'm going to toss out ideas. But anyhow, that's a different conversation. But (laughs) but let's talk about us now. So like we stated, we are almost done with law school and med school. But for three for three years for me and four years for you, we have been managing life in LA. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I've never met people in my life who I'm like, wow. Like y- the first time I met you all, I was like, they make med school look sexy. They make it look <laughs> easy. <laughs> so I'm like, how have you managed your life with med school? How is that looking for you? What does that look like? Like, how do you stay so fine? Okay, Ozzy, when I first <laughs> met you, I had the same thought. I was like, this girl, she looks good. She dresses good. She has a good energy about her. She's down to go out and explore. Like, how how does she make law school look sexy? So we both were like on the same wave when we met each other, which is really funny. But I think it's all about like time management and prioritizing the things that are important to you. Mm. So for me, I love my friends. I love spending time with them. I love exploring, you know, different places in the city and just being outside and feeling like a human, you know, because Mm. when you're in grad school or professional school, it's easy to just lock yourself up and, you know, work, work, work all the time. Right. Yeah. But then you look up one day and it's been four years and, you know, time has passed Mm. you by and there'll always be another milestone. So for me, it's going to be residency, which will be, you know, way harder than medical school in terms of hours and responsibilities. And for you, it'll be working. You know, Mm -hmm. I think as a new, you know, new lawyer or whatever endeavor you undertake, you, it'll take time to hone your skills and build your practice and build your clientele. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to get easier from here. Right. So it's like, instead of waiting for, you know, the moment where everything is all figured out, where you finally reach where you want to be in life, why not start enjoying life now, you know, to an extent, you know, it's not, I'm not saying you should just forget about school and just go have fun and, you know, just do whatever you want. But I think just finding time and forcing yourself to, you know, step away from the grind for a little bit and just to smell the flowers, I think it's so important. So what that looked like for me was Monday through Friday, I would get all my work done and just be very focused. But on the weekends, I would, you know, go have brunch with my friends or go on a run, just making sure that I always carve time out of my schedule to do the things that make me happy. And honestly, if you do that, you'll notice that Monday through Friday, when you're studying and getting your work done, you're going to be rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. You're going to be happier doing it versus if you just work hard all the time, that's going to wear you down eventually and even if you're working more you're not accomplishing as much within Mm -hmm. that amount of time so yeah yeah the breaks are super necessary because yeah that you like said you need to rejuvenate yourself and fuel yourself it's interesting that you say Monday through Friday too because when I was working um I had an attorney who super super cool attorney who kind of said something that was very um pivotal to me and Mm. she was like she felt like she kept pushing her life to the weekend Mm. and the weekend is only really a day right you know so I'm like that is has been something that's always kind of sat with me so now now I'm like kind of like okay well Wednesday that is something I try to like do something on Wednesday you know 
or yeah. even if it's not doing going out it's like I will try to fit in a drive at night or going to like the Palisades mm. Park just to like walk around you know or go to a cafe to study during the week yeah. or you know just like break up the routine a little bit so it doesn't feel so mundane you know I love that yes yeah. So, I mean, but obviously, of course, it works in different ways because you are actually going to a hospital right now. You're on rotations. Yes. So it's not that feasible if, if you're doing something that requires you to, you're at least having more social interactions on a daily basis and doing that kind of work. So it's not as feasible to do stuff like that. Exactly. So like our schedules aren't as flexible. So we're in the hospitals from morning till you know, late afternoon, sometimes the evening. So once you're done, it's like, there isn't much time to Mm -hmm. do other things. You have to go home, make dinner, shower, get your work done. And honestly, even on the weekends, it's a bit deceptive to say that we can take the weekends off. Um, On the weekends, at least you can study during the morning or study in the evening. You have a bit more flexibility in how you spend your time. Right. Um, because you're not, you don't have to be in the hospital, depending on the rotation. Mm. Um, but I love that, Ozzy. I think people dread the weekdays because it is mundane and it's yeah. like nine to five. But if you find something to do during the weekdays that makes it a bit more exciting and yeah. different and new, that can help. Yeah. Because I realized while I was in law school, I just realized how much of a social person I was. And this is so different from undergrad, where I felt like, I mean, obviously these are very different experiences from undergrad, but I don't think I was really ready for how sharp that difference was going to be. And I kind of came in with the mentality of like, well, I'm still going to have fun. I'm still going to, like, I went to Miami my first, my first semester and (laughs) it was a great time, but girl, I was struggling because I had a paper due and I did not sleep all night. And then I still didn't finish the paper. So I had to write on the plane. And then, you know, it was just like, I just felt like the things that kind of got me through undergrad, I thought would get me through here as well. And realizing, mm. no, that's not the case. And then having yes. that disappointment that I felt like I was losing my social life and kind of feeling super low about that. I won't say depressed mm. because I think that's a big word to be tying, tagging onto things, but I mm. felt very, very low, you know? Right. But what about like, so residency, what is that breakdown exactly like for you? And I know that it depends on where, which area you want to go into, but what does the residency breakdown look like? Yeah, so it definitely depends on what you choose to specialize in. Uh, most residencies are three to seven or eight years long. And within those years, how much you'll be working also varies, but mm-hmm. re- residents most most residents will be working hard. Um, the hours are usually 60 to 80 hours a week Ooh. plus, depending on what specialty you're in. Um, but I'm going into neurology, which is a four-year residency. Um, and it, it's still difficult, but I think there's a spectrum with some of the surgical specialties being the most difficult in terms of hours mm-hmm. um, and the demands that it places on your body, having to stand for hours in the operating room and managing surgical patients on the floor. Um, so I'd say neurology is a bit you know, easier in that sense, um, but the next four years will be tough regardless. Yeah. Um, but I think it'll be easier in a sense because I will be doing something that I love and yeah. I will be taking care of patients. I will be you know, directly involved in care in a way that I haven't been as a medical student. Um, 
so I'm, I'm excited for this next phase. And I'll be working. I'll be getting paid, finally. Period. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Be making a, not much, though, but it'll be something. I'll, I'll be able to, you know, afford more things here and there, which would yeah. be nice. Yeah. Um, I'm like, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited for you. I love you so much. And I'm just oh, like, I'm, I love like, you I'm too. gushing over here. I'm cheesing because I'm just like, they are going to have such an addition, such a valuable addition. Oh my so God. We are so blessed that we're going to have you as a neurologist. Girl. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm, I'm like, cheesing so hard right now. Yes. <laughs> you deserve to feel that because, you know, every, but everything you're saying, as you said that, I'm like, wow, that's, it's like a ray of light just shining, emanating from you as you speak. I'm like, she's going to do some dope stuff and I'm excited to see it, but. Thank you. You are as well. I can't I wait to it. see, to see where it. the next few years take us. <laughs> now, I know that timelines are like most, for the most part, socially constructed, mm. but there's an element, right, of just the hard facts, which is like biology. Mm. So the concept of time and timelines, how has that been playing a factor? Has it been playing a factor? Law school, a lot of people will put their life on hold um, until they have paid off all their debt, right? Hmm. So I don't foresee myself doing that, but it's a thing that people do. But right. I'm curious about what you're thinking about in terms of like, yeah, like I said earlier, kids, life, what does a timeline or a time look like for you right now? Right. I think I've had to readjust my expectations and my thoughts on what it means to age and to mm. be old. Um, I remember as a teenager thinking, oh, by 30, if I don't have a house, if I don't have kids, Girl. if I'm not married, <laughs> you know, 30 when you're a teenager sounds like so far away. Not three years so away. Old, <laughs> literally. And nowadays, most 30-year-olds are still figuring out their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, they're still trying to get, you know, a foundation set up. And so I think now I'm not as worried about the timeline as much um, because I think that, you know, if you're a professional, unfortunately, you will have to push things back. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to wait either. So if I do have the opportunity to, you know, get married, have kids, buy a home, travel, you know, set things up for myself and for my family, then I will start that as soon as possible. So even starting next year, once I start working, you know, I want to meet with a financial advisor and see yes. if I can start, you know, setting up a nest egg. So by the time I graduate, I have enough to buy a home. Mm. Um, I want to start taking dating more seriously in hopes of, you know, finding that person that I, I would want to start a family with. So I think I wouldn't say putting your life on pause is ever a good idea because there'll always be something, as I mentioned yeah. earlier, um, but just readjusting your expectations and kind of laying the groundwork now. So when you do reach where you're going, you know, you don't have to start from square one, you know? Right. So I think, yeah, unfortunately I, I have friends cause I, I went to college in Utah so I had friends from college who were already married, who already had kids, who already had a home. Um, and I've seen that more and more throughout the years where my friends are, you know, making these huge steps in their personal lives where comparatively I feel stagnant, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think 
on a on a like smaller scale I don't feel that as much because when you look around I think most of our peers are in a similar situation mm-hmm. so I think it's good to have friends and people around you who also are going through the same thing um, but also not completely falling into that mindset of waiting you know for the next step to start building your life yeah I love that it's like you're still actively engaged with what's happening around you Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely is something I think about in the sense of, so I'm going to reference conversations with my mom a lot because I've mm-hmm. been having a lot of talks with her about time and timelines. And so at, I'm 27. At 27, mm-hmm. my mom was married and pregnant with twins, you know? Wow. Yeah. And <laughs> I can't imagine you being Girl. married and pregnant with twins. Lucy. Nor can I, because, you know, like you said earlier about 30 before I thought 30 was so much older than what it is. And now that I'm here, I'm like, oh my God, no, 30 is literally like you barely got out from like the 20, your twenties are a transition stage, you know? Exactly. Some of us are lucky that maybe you already get established, but let's be real. Like we just stopped being considered a kid not too long ago. And now all of a sudden we're supposed to magically have it figured out. And now by 30 life is like, you're, you're an adult. You're exactly. So it's like, that is such a sham (laughs) and also very much so makes me because I do think about this a lot it makes me a little bit nervous well I shouldn't have to like follow those kind of guidelines or that timeline Mm -hmm. but -hmm. it's hard to kind of block out the noise when like said you see other people on your social media like some people on their second kid people are getting married and it's like am I weird for the fact that that's not even on the realm for me like right now the realm is finishing school and finding something that feels good so I can start to really fund my life the way I saw it you know exactly and I think it's easier to it's easy to compare your lives your life and your life stage to other people's mm-hmm. um but the grass isn't always greener on the other side um right. and I think for us we might look at our peers who are doing those things and say oh I wish I were in their shoes and they might be looking at us and saying, oh, I wish I went to grad school. So I think everyone, you know, it's easier to compare and be like, oh, I wish I had what the other person has. But I think it's good to be content with where you are in life Mm. while also looking towards the future. Mm. I love that. That content part hit me, girl, because content is a definitely difficult feeling to find in life in this day and age when we're so used to instant gratification and yeah yes that's really really and social media makes it so Mm -hmm. so much worse you know yeah because nowadays it's like there's this hustle culture where if you're not Mm. starting businesses if you're not traveling if you don't have a nice car or a home or all Mm -hmm. these other material objects then it's seen as failing so there's this constant pressure to do more and to have more Mm -hmm. when for most people that's not attainable so I think and our generation especially suffers with this a lot more than previous generations and it gets even more complex when you're thinking about people who are we're in programs that are years long Yes, we are definitely delaying any of that like because hustle yes the hustle, hustle culture is very real and I'm like I don't have the time or energy for that, but I do sometimes buy things. I do like plan trips, but you know, it's like, yeah, it's just so much more complex because you're delaying getting to that point where you can do all of that. And that is also um, kind of like another thing that is interesting that we'll talk about a little bit more later, but just want to kind of highlight it for a second is 
following a more traditional path versus these alternative paths that have always been here, but are getting a lot of shine as of late. Hmm. So it's interesting too being in a space where you're, we're kind of in a culture now where people are saying like school is pointless Mm. or, and I think it's fair that people have expanded their under understandings of what you need to be successful. I love the fact that success is being defined in such a much more broad way. Yeah. However, the notion that traditional schooling objective of all of the biases and the problems with the system, the educational system, the notion that traditional paths are pointless or moot is uncomfortable for me, especially someone Mm. who has followed that path out of my own choice. So finding Mm. that content there is another difficult thing when there's so many layers that are getting put onto this now, you know, but hundred percent. Yeah. Y'all clearly, clearly a lot of thoughts on this. (laughs) Yes. But I'm like curious now about debt Mm. because so we've talked a little bit about how we had to manage our life in terms of social life and timelines, but what about like the future for you? Are you, this is a very personal question. So you do not have to say the amount of debt that you will be in if you will be in it, but Mm. is that any kind of primary factor for you in future planning or with med school is it kind of like you just throw it to the wind because you have to go to school you have to go to residency and you'll figure that out four years from now exactly I think debt is such an important thing to talk about because so many people are in debt Mm -hmm. especially from student loans and from you know the cost of existing in a world where inflation has not kept up with wages and the average person is not making enough to afford just basic living expenses. Um, So yes, I do have some debt. Um, I may not have as much as others or as the average medical student, but I do have debt and it is something that I think about a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately, there isn't anything that I can do currently to pay it back. Um, I don't. I don't, I can't work. So I don't have, you know, an external source of income. Um, And as a resident, I won't be making much. Um, So I think that is something that, you know, it does bother me, but the way I think about it is it's something that eventually I will be able to pay off. Mm -hmm. um, God willing, if, you know, I stay healthy and I'm able to continue on this path. Um, Once I'm done, I will be able to pay off my debt. Um, as will most, you know, medical students and law students and other grad students. But I think that, you know, it is something to, to think about, you know, not everyone is comfortable with having, you know, debt large enough to buy a, a house mm-hmm. or put a down payment on a mortgage. That's a lot of money. Um, and so it's an uncomfortable feeling to know that you have this thing hanging over your head. But I do trust that, you know, with proper financial planning with budgeting with just planning now starting as soon as my first paycheck to plan for the future that Mm -hmm. it is something that I will be able to eliminate but that alone is a privilege you know because not depending on what field you go into not everyone you know can reliably reliably pay down their debt because a lot of people are not making enough to you know pay debt pay for rent buy gas and cover all their expenses so I think as a society, we do need to reevaluate the cost of obtaining higher education because I think everyone should have the opportunity to go to a good college if they mm-hmm. want to and to be able to choose to be a teacher and not worry about whether or not they'll make enough as a teacher to pay down their debt. 
Yeah. Um, I think like we're privileged that in the sense that we probably will be able to, but you shouldn't have to go into high paying fields to get a higher education because you're in so much debt. So I think it is something that we need to address as a society. No, we definitely do. And that was kind of what I was referencing earlier about people go to big law. Some people choose to go to big law because they are enamored with the law. And that is beautiful. I have no qualms with you there. But a lot of people choose to go into big law because you will get a significant salary, which Mm. will be helpful to address a significant debt. And Mm. we all know what the stories of a lot of these big law firms sound like. We know what the narratives of going into big law is, which is you're going to be miserable, you know, Mm. be completely transparent. You're going to be working all the time. You're not going to have a life. And it sucks that that has to be a sacrifice that people feel compelled to make in order to get through it. But like said, if you're going into a field like public interest, I'm not going into public interest, but I have friends who are very interested in it. And I want, we want to have people doing public interest work. That is important work, you know? Right. But if you're only going to be paid, like, let's say $60,000 and you have a $150,000 debt, there's a lot that you have has to go into that because how are you supposed to live and still address that debt without having to start paying interest on that principal, you know? Exactly. So for me, like, I definitely have privilege as well because I would be going into a field that would pay me more. But, and I told myself, I would not let debt kind of rule how I move because my ultimate decision in choosing a job is going to be what makes me feel good. What makes me feel happy. Exactly. However, I was looking up a couple of facts today that I'm going to tell you, are you ready, girl? I'm ready. Okay. So according to the education data initiative, the average law school graduate owes $160,000 in student loan debt. And then 74, about 74% of law school students graduate in debt and fewer, fewer than one in four new law school graduates say their legal education was worth the financial cost. Wow. Bro. (laughs) And then of course, we already know about disparities. So black or African-American law school graduate loan debts are 97% higher on average than white law school graduates. And that's just a tail end. You know, there's also some more information here showing that people are putting off their lives because they want to address this debt. And if you are addressing a mountain, it can look really, really scary. Yes. Kind of similar stuff for um, med school as well. According to the same source, the average med school debt is about $215,000. And this is also including the fact that Black people are going to have higher debt in many cases. Um, right. We're going to med school. So it's just, it feels like an insurmountable kind of obstacle sometimes. And then, girl, I read David Geffen. Let's take a moment here because UCLA's med school is named after David Geffen, right? Right. So have you heard about what he's done for Yale Drama School as well? No, I have not. So he has made a 150 million gift so Yale drama is now going tuition free wow girl girl and then there's a quote here from this article is coming from the New York Times there's a quote here I believe from the dean and that says by reducing the debt burden of the average student we create more resilient artists and managers who are able to make braver artistic choices they're able to take that downtown play and they don't have to have a career selling real estate on the side. Not every artist is going to break through at the age of 25 or 26 or 27. 
Certain kinds of careers take time to build and entering the professions with less debt is going to make for more interesting and more resounding choices in the long run. And I completely agree across all fields. Definitely. That is going to take a huge burden off of their backs Mm -hmm. and they can explore their artistic interests without feeling, you know, the need to branch out into other fields that they may not enjoy just for the sake of paying back their debt. Yeah. So I I love that. Me too. Because I was like, imagine, like, I know there's people in both our schools that obviously are here going to school and don't have to worry about tuition. But imagine if that was kind of the energy that was being met for everyone. You know, exactly. and I'm not trying to equate every single um, med student or law student as being on the same playing field because there's vast differences across that. And we already know we don't have to recite those types of facts. But just thinking about how, how I'm about to start entering this world of paying back debt, right? Mm. The amount of pressure that would be lifted from my shoulders if I had a David Geffen. <laughs> mm, exactly. It would, it would be life changing, you Mm -hmm. know, it would be one of those things where you can truly self actualize and truly pursue your dreams and goals in a way that is like fulfilling to you and might contribute to society more than you had to. Yeah, exactly. And I think we would all benefit from, you know, having less debt. And I think we're seeing this trend now there's a teaching shortage to go Mm -hmm. back to teachers because Mm -hmm. I think they're so essential they are Um, there's a teaching shortage now because a lot of people realize that you know as a teacher you have to sacrifice so much and you don't get paid as much and just the you know the stressors associated with the job so now less people are going into teaching imagine if we incentivize people to become teachers imagine if you know students didn't have to worry about paying back their debts as teachers on low salaries, you know, and these are all fields that are very important, especially with the arts. I think the arts is often overlooked and Mm -hmm. people joke about, you know, art majors in college, how are you going to pay back your debt? But it's like everything we consume is art. You know, imagine a world where it was too expensive to become an artist, Mm -hmm. how bland the world would look like. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's such a great thing that David Geffen did. And I hope that you know, other philanthropists following his footsteps. I do too. And um, I just have to say, I love the comment about art and that's entertainment to me is art and of feeding the culture and creating the culture. So yes, I love that because a world without art would be very bland. And that is exactly why I'm here to help learn how to protect it. But yeah. <laughs> um, since we've kind of been, we kind of talked about, I see a little light here about how much that could alleviate people and what choices they make right so if you weren't in grad school med school what do you think you'd be doing have you thought about about this a lot yeah I actually have and I think my answer changes day to day Mm -hmm. some days I think I would go into tech because Mm. that (laughs) that seems to be you know the new popping field Mm-hmm. You know, tech is booming and there are a lot of great job opportunities. Um, but then I use Microsoft Excel and I remember why <laughs> I remember why I would not thrive in tech. Um, other days, I think about maybe getting a master's in public health because I majored in public policy in college and, mm. you know, being helping to shape public policies, especially now in the time of coronavirus and the ever-changing landscape of that. Um, and then other days I, I think about finance and kind of going down that path. 
Um, but I think if I wasn't in medical school, I would pursue a more, you know, a more independent field where I was my own boss and I had mm-hmm. control of my schedule. Um, I would maybe open a restaurant and have that as one of the things I was doing. But oh also my gosh, work- a restaurant? Yeah. Girl, I would be there. I love cooking. Yes. I love cooking. Um, and maybe work in the hospital on the side, you know, helping administrators come up with the best ways to care for patients without necessarily being involved in patient care. Or, you know, I think I, I would have the time to wear multiple hats and do multiple things Yeah. if I didn't have to dedicate all my time to just one thing, which is medicine. Mm. Okay, so now let me ask this. Mm-hmm. is practicality disguised as fear hearing all of these things right that you've put and taking out the I, any notion that maybe you came more into medicine because you're interested but having that list of all these things that you could have been doing mm-hmm. what are your decisions to do not do that more practical and do you think they were disguised as fear I do I do think a lot of my choices are driven by fear and this mm-hmm. is something that I you know, have been working on the past years is not letting fear and uncertainty dictate my future. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think now that I have chosen a very stable path, you know, it, it doesn't seem as scary anymore to have chosen the path where, you know, there was uncertainty, where I would have a business and side hustles. That seems less fearful in a way now because yeah. you have multiple options and multiple baskets. And if you've heard the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see that now. You know, it's like if one thing doesn't work out, you can always venture and focus on something else. Um, so I do think a lot of my decisions in the past were driven by fear, if I can be completely honest. Yeah. Um, and now it's the reverse where I feel like it's okay to have some fear and uncertainty because in the end, I think, you know, doing things that are uncomfortable and might, you know, may not be as secure and as laid out might give you more freedom than, you know, the paths that are more practical. Yeah. Because I, I asked that only because I um, sometimes think that I chose this out of fear mm. and that fear was disguised as practicality, which mm. was coined from this video. Um, that um, is based off of an interview or speech given by Jim Carrey that I'll put in the description box. But it was so interesting to hear that because as you know, I used to model before. And like I said before, I wanted to write and now I'm in law school. So I feel like there's nothing wrong with those changes, but I often like sit and try to digest or dissect whether or not those changes came from like um, a place of, security or was Mm. it fear you know Mm. and I think for so long I've been looking for security on these external forces like looking for secure job looking for secure salary which are all secure housing those are all valid things but Mm. I've been trying to like feel a little bit more like finding like look for that security more myself you know Mm. find an internal source as opposed to needing that validation externally and yeah that's I don't regret coming to law school, but I do wonder if I had sat with it a little bit more and really try to investigate why I was doing it. Because I was in a place where I was working at Lush, I was also modeling, but I felt mm. myself getting scared that this, that this was it, you know? Yeah. So I think 
sitting down and being like, okay, law school, that's a good way for me to get back to the entertainment industry and get into what I wanted. I could easily start justifying it because I was so afraid of being stagnant, you know? So it's just interesting too, being in an age where you see a lot of people are, um, you know, like the great resignation, people are leaving their jobs, which is good for them if that's what they want. Or people like more and more young people, like we mentioned, less people are becoming teachers, but less people are just going to school in general. Less people are going to college, less people are going to graduate school. There was like a increase for a minute between 2019 and 2020, according to the Council of Graduate Schools. But another research um, research report that just came out from the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center about fall 2021 shows that there's a decline. And this decline is also kind of reflective of the overall decline in people going to college in general. And I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of kind of ties here with people kind of, like we said earlier, social media, looking at YouTubers or influencers, more, more, more younger people are probably like, I can create an alternative path. And that starts to kind of like hit me a little bit different too, and make me a little bit insecure at times about, did I choose something out of fear? Maybe not, but it's just scary sometimes to know that maybe you might have done something out of fear. Doesn't mean you have to move out of fear from now on, but that's interesting to think about. What about envisioning ourselves in two to five years? With all that we shared and with whatever vision that comes to mind for you. Now Mm. let's go back to the question of was grad school worth it? Mm. Yeah, I think... In two to five years, the only, I think the, the biggest things that I envisioned for myself are outside of the professional realm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to be happy. I want to be secure in myself. Um, I think you brought up something so great, Ozzy, earlier when you said that you, you want to feel more secure in yourself rather mm-hmm. than making decisions out of fear and getting validation from, you know, choosing a secure path. And that's something I've been working on and I want to continue working on is understanding that the life that we live is not because of our careers or because Mm. of, you know, how much we have in the bank. It's from who we are at the core and the beliefs that we have about ourselves and about the world. And so I just want to, you know, strengthen my, my faith in myself and my faith in the world and my faith in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, I think the next two to five years, I want to do more personal work um, and just growing as a person and finding happiness in life, um, no matter what it looks like in two to five years. Um, Mm, I love that. No matter what it looks like in two to five years. That's very powerful. With that in mind, that question that we come back to, was this worth it? Mm, For me... I would say 100% yes, mm-hmm. um, because I I enjoy learning. Um, I think I'm someone that if I wasn't in grad school, I would be learning regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, I feel like there's something so special about being in an environment where everything is curated in a way that makes it easier for you to learn. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's annoying to get all these emails about all these different events and opportunities and lunch talks and lectures, but it's so nice to not have to seek out opportunities for learning, to have Mm. it just given to you. Um, So I I do enjoy that aspect of being in grad school. Um, And so there's, I don't have any regrets. Um, I think I would do this all over again. 
um, if I could go back in time and, you know, if I could change anything about my future, I wouldn't change this. I wouldn't change going to grad school. Yeah. I am definitely with you on that. Even with the upsets that I've had, like yesterday forking over some money, but (laughs) I'm like, I think that it's ended up showing so much more about me as a Mm -hmm. person than I expected it to. I do want to just say before I say that, like, I love, love, love what you said about you don't have to seek out opportunities for these, for learning. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I do think that that's very true here in this space. I mean, obviously you could always get more, but things are curated in a way to, to bring access or at least Mm -hmm. educational access in terms or, um, networking access you know I this is the closest I've ever been to the entertainment industry and I've been a creative for I would call myself a creative since I was born you know Mm. but you know like this has been the closest I've ever gotten to actually understanding the industry and seeing and meeting people who are working in the industry and it's because of law school and like you said them laying out the opportunities for me to get to that path so right um what would you say have been like the hardest or the most gracious lessons in grad school for you? And this is not related to anything academically, but like for me, I've learned the importance of self-sustainability and self-sufficiency. And like I said earlier, I'm very social, but this is the loneliest I've ever felt in my life. Even when I'm with friends, not because people don't care about me, but also largely because I don't have a, I have friends at the law school that I vibe with, but I don't have the same type of community does not look the same way as it did in undergrad. Right. So it's been a very lonely and isolating experience, but that has me to kind of look at myself in a different way. And I've seen myself rise in a way I did not know I could. So I'm curious what that looks like for you too. Yeah, I, I would say on a similar vein, the biggest lesson I've learned is not to compare like comparison is a thief of joy truly mm-hmm. yes um because I do feel I agree with you I think we have a great group of friends and we have that in each other mm-hmm. like a great support system but it definitely isn't at the same as in college where you know you had so many friends and everyone had free time to meet up and you know there were social activities at every corner mm-hmm. um but then when you go on social media and you see other people still living that life, still, you know, being able to go on trips, you know, hang out with friends every weekend, um, it can be hard and it can make you feel very isolated. Um, so I definitely agree. Just finding comfort in your own, um, in, in your own company, but also cherishing the moments that you do have to spend with friends, even though they're few and far between compared to college or high school. I love that. And the cherish, cherish part, especially because that's absolutely the case. Like when we went out last weekend, I yes. literally, I was like, that was so much fun. I just loved like coming over and chilling with you guys and having wine. You know, even that part is a part that I'd be like, dang, I wish we could do that again. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like just having like these little, those little bits and times to just kind of connect with people. Those really stay with me for sure. Wow. So how do we stay connected to our true selves and our goals and, you know, not lose yourself in this, especially the transition to an adult? Because for instance, a lot of people will say you start selling your soul when you go work at a big law firm. Mm. 
I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand why people say it because you can't advocate in the same ways, right? right. So maybe med school is a little bit easier because at least you're doing what you came here to do and you're still rooted to that cause of helping people. But mm. I guess if we're pulling ourselves out and just looking at being in grad school and getting through this last stretch and knowing what's coming and planning about what's coming, how do you intend to stay connected to who you are and who you're flowering into? Hmm. I would say the biggest ways that I do that, number one is to have people that hold me accountable. Hmm. So I, my parents are huge, huge support. They're a huge support system for me, but they always remind me where I come from and where our family comes from. And so it's such a privilege for me to be, you know, the first person in my family here in the States to go to medical school and to have the opportunity to be a doctor. So no matter what, I will always, you know, have that, you know, voice in the back of my head telling me, you know, remember where you came from, remember why you're doing this. Mm. Um, And knowing that my family will always hold me accountable is a huge one. But also, I think just having little reminders um, to keep you grounded. So whether that is volunteering, um, I love to volunteer and find ways to get involved in my community, whether Mm -hmm. that is, you know, journaling and writing about, you know, where you started from, where you are right now, where you're going, and also having little talks with yourself. I don't know why, as a society, we find it so weird to talk to yourself, but sometimes you need to remind yourself, hey, like, this isn't about you, like, this serves a larger purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think just looking yourself in the mirror and like having those difficult discussions um, can also help keep you grounded. Um, So yeah, I would say those are those are the biggest things for me. Just having people in your corner who, you know, understand your motivations and will keep you grounded in that, but also doing that for yourself. Right. And like just reminding you how far you can go, because I can't count the amount of times I've called my mom and my sister like crying about how hard this is or the first semester Mm. I kind of tanked really bad, but not because of I think I could have performed better, but because the law school grading curve is so harsh. (laughs) And it just made me question everything about my abilities. And that has always kind of like constantly like comes up here and there. But my mom, my sister always remind me like, this is nothing new for you. You, Uh, you always push yourself and you succeed and you're going to be fine. You'll be able to come over this obstacle, look back and be like, oh, I did that. You know, it's important to have people who remind you what your motivations are and that you can do it and you've been doing it. So I agree completely. We cannot leave this space without (laughs) I know I've done like a lot of like bashing or maybe not even bashing but just being very blunt and maybe not as celebratory because I I feel like it's important to kind of just have those real authentic honest moments and conversations but Mm -hmm. I don't want to leave this space with people feeling like maybe not you Mm -hmm. know I want people to critically engage with themselves and make sure it's what they want but I don't want to dissuade someone from pursuing law school, med school, grad school, professional school, whatever it is, because I think there's still a lot of value here. And like we both said, we're still taking away a lot of value, even for the hard things we've been through, because life is not meant to to be easy. We're going to go through things, but that's what makes it worthwhile as well. Right. What would you advise um, to people, especially young Black women, considering this path? I would say believe in yourself. Mm. That is the biggest thing. I think 
from the moment we're born, we're given little messages, whether it's through, you know, microaggressions or through the teacher, which is something that happened to me. I'll, I'll tell a little story. Yes. Um, I remember in elementary school in, in my art class, actually, um, we had to write about a musician that inspired us. And at that time I was listening to a lot of classical music. So I wrote about Bach and his music mm. um, and how it inspired me and how I think everyone can learn from, you know, classical artists and the complexities that, that arise when you're trying to compose music, which I will never be able to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I submitted my essay, I felt so proud of myself, so proud. And I was very excited. And I remember my music teacher <clears throat> called me in that afternoon and was like, Ina, I read your essay. And my, my face lit up, I was so excited. And he said, and I'm submitting it to the principal because I believe you plagiarized it. Oh my gosh. What and the, oh my gosh. Yes. I was crushed. It was crushing. And I always wonder if I was not a little black girl submitting this essay, mm -hmm. would he have had the same impression of me? Um, and I think from childhood, we receive messages like that, that we're not enough. And if we succeed, it's not by our own will. It's by external forces. It's by cheating or by doing the right. wrong things to get ahead. And I think we need to actively fight that. And I think going to grad school or doing whatever it is that you want to do with your life that people might tell you you can't is a protest against that. Absolutely. Um, so I think just, you know, keeping that in mind when you have doubts, sometimes they're not always your own. Sometimes it's society telling you things about yourself you know, because yeah. of what you look like, or because of your background, or because, you know, you're the first person in your family to go to college, of course, you can't go to med school or law school, you know. Mm -hmm. So just just kind of sitting with that and figuring out if those doubts are truly your own, or if they're because of society. And if they are your own, just remembering that you are capable, and you can do whatever it is that you put your mind to. And there are people out there who love you and support you and will be there for you as you go down this path, mm -hmm. no matter how difficult it will be. Oh, that part about you got to like sift through the doubt. Is it mine or is it someone else's? We do not do free emotional labor. Mm. So dispose of that one. Oh my gosh, that hit, that hit. Do you have any advice for any I... young Black woman? I do. I do. I think definitely along the lines of everything that you said, but I think I would say if you're going to come down this path, I, I, I want you to also do the work to make sure it's your own decision. But once mm. you get here, I think staying true to yourself and also self-care, I would mm. really, really, really encourage people to seek out a therapist while doing this process um, I would seek out, peeps, tell people to seek out um, extra support in professors because there are professors who care. I have a professor here who in 2020, when um, obviously the world felt like it was falling apart and maybe still is, I was having really bad anxiety and panic attacks and was really ashamed and embarrassed to say that because it felt like this kind of like isolating thing, another isolating thing. And even though everyone was anxious, it just, I don't think people were talking about it as much, right? And mm. I was in class, I had a super bad anxiety attack. And what that felt like, what that felt, those panic attacks and anxiety attacks felt like was that I thought I was gonna die. 
Like my, oh. my breath is short, you know, I can't, my heart is palpitating. I start to get lightheaded. So I start feeling like I need to get outside. So they had a policy mm. of keeping your cameras on for Zoom classes, but I had to turn it off. So I felt so bad afterwards that I talked to the professor and I said, I'm so sorry I had to turn my camera off. I was having an anxiety attack, which one mm. I don't have to apologize for that, but you know, being kind of socialized to feel bad or feel shame around having those kind of crises. That's what I did. And mm-hmm. she instantly like kind of rejected that apology was like, are you okay? How can I support you? Um, mm-hmm. She reached out to student affairs, reached out to the Dean of Student Affairs to get me in touch with um, the CAPS counselors on campus. And, you know, was just really, really adamant that we sought out ways for me to feel supported because it's not, wow. weird. you know what I mean? Yeah. That touched me. And I feel like every student deserves to have at least one professor on campus that they know they can go talk to. You know, I've also talked to this professor about, you know, my fears about becoming a lawyer lawyer. And she's the one who's kind of helped me realize like, those are just fears. It's not Mm. what's going to happen. Like if I'm afraid of losing, like losing my social life is not going to happen. That's an extreme fear that is rooted in some truth, but it doesn't have to be the actuality. And she has just helped me in such immense ways. So I would definitely advise all, all, all people, but especially young black women who are going to these spaces that can be really isolating to seek out professors and seek out support on campus because it's there. Yeah. You know, um, we do not have to be alone at all. And also it might come in a form of a non-black person. Um, this professor is actually Asian identifying. And I was, you know, often we kind of feel like we want to be with a black professor that'd be great and there's a lot of amazing black professors but there's also a lot of amazing non-black professors too and I encourage people just to find whoever is willing to be their cheerleader as well I love that yeah thank you so much for sharing that and I think that brings up such a great point is that you're not alone you know Mm -hmm. it's like I am sure in those moments where you were having these panic and anxiety attacks, you felt like, you know, I'm the only one who's going through this, but Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised by how many people, how many of your peers are also suffering with anxiety, which is something I also dealt with. So there's no shame in reaching out for help and in admitting that you're, you know, you're having a moment of weakness, you know, Mm -hmm. because we're, we're expected to be strong, especially as black women, we're supposed to be the strong ones to, hide our emotions, Mm -hmm. hide our fears, but it's okay to say, hey, I need help and I need someone to talk to um, because you'd be surprised that there'll be so many people that are willing to help you Mm -hmm. through that. So thank you for sharing, Ozzy. Thank you for giving me the space to share. I appreciate that. And I I appreciate you and your whole presence and your giving your time to come talk to me and have this conversation. You are a light and a gem. Thank you for, you know, having this platform and I've seen the work you've put in since you mentioned this, you were like, girl, I'm going to do this and you're making it happen. And I couldn't be more proud of you. And I can't wait to see where this goes. And I'm sure even if you touch one person, you know, even if one person listens to this and takes away from this podcast, you know, then you've done your job. And I can't wait to see you know, all the, the women who listen to this and men, you know, we, everyone's accepted. And whatever your gender, yeah, whatever your gender is. Queer, anyone who listens to this, you know, <laughs> and takes away from this, then I think it's been worth all the hard work you've put in. So thank you. Thank you, friend. <laughs>